Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumbling Multicast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan. Where's Nate Geary? And this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F words. The first two, obviously, being, you know, football and, and you know, food, because we would never use any other F words on this show because this is a PG 13 show. Although you are allowed one F bomb on PG 13 movies. One of the great discussions that my wife and I have had on more than a few occasions is what is the greatest single use F-bomb in the history of PG-13 movies? I'll level with you. I think X-Men First Class is right up there. I don't know if you guys ever seen X-Men First Class, but that's right, right up there. So Nate Geary was here with me, just sitting here, getting ready for the show, and then poof, he was gone. He just ghosted me like a bad Tinder date. But tonight, it was not because of something I said the way that it usually is. Instead, it was because his power went out. Power went out. Just just decided to leave. Just didn't want to be part of it anymore. So I was ready. Nate was ready. But Nate's power was not ready. So it's going to be the just the two of us. Me and you guys. Right here live on a Friday night. And you know what? Sometimes you got to adjust. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Dave says, what's up? Did this just start? Yes. Yes, it did. Dave. Dawn is in the house. Says, hey, to Richard Rush. Richard Rush, one of the goats of the Bills Mafia fandom who says that, hey, I'm just listening because I'll be driving. He just put me on in his background so I can be background noise for him. David says the weather is getting bad. I don't know if David lives close to Nate, but perhaps that's the reason why Nate decided that, you know, his power was more important than his obligation to me. I kid, I kid, I kid. Okay, so real quick before we get started, we're going to get seated. We're going to sit down and have a nice meal tonight. Make sure to hit all of the appropriate engagement buttons, like, subscribe, rate, review. As a reminder, 
We will not get to every comment, but we will get to every YouTube super chat. So if you need to get our attention, we got a full show that hopefully I can get Nate back on to discuss with me. But in the event he doesn't, I will be running the entire thing solo, which is unexpected, but you got to do what you got to do. So I'm going to need some help from the comment section. So please, please help me out here, folks. Andy Anderson says, I am here to replace Nate. I desperately need some engagement from the comment section tonight of all nights because I was not expecting to have to carry this solo. And you know how much I don't like surprises. I'm not a surprises guy. I joked around on Twitter today that at one point in my life, I did something spontaneous, but I had to make sure it was planned out first. <laughs> I got to plan out my spontaneity. So make sure hit all the engagement buttons, like subscribe, rate, review, all those things. It really means a lot. We really appreciate it. We love you guys. We're going to talk about last meals tonight. Last meals. Why? Why are we talking about last meals? Because it's the last regular season game of the year. And some of the things that we're talking about this week that we wouldn't be talking about on other weeks is, okay, how do you want to wrap up the regular season, right? How do you want to wrap it up when you go into the next phase of the season, the second season that some people would call it? What do you want your team to show you? What do you want to consume on the last regular season week? So I thought, let's talk about last meals. Last meals are really, really a topic that pops up quite a bit in my household. Because what it does is it forces you to take all of your preferences. It forces you to take all of your discussions about comfort food and things that make you feel good and things that are bad for you and things that are good for you and things that give you nostalgia and boil it down to no no you get one that's it one last meal that's it so i was having a discussion with my wife earlier today about last meals and she was like i don't know what you're going to pick you just like so many things i said yes i do one of the things that keeps me as a fairly happy guy in life is the amount of things I like. What you will find is the amount of happiness that you see from a person in your life is directly correlative to how much they like things. Do they just like everything or do they just dislike everything? If they dislike everything, they're probably not happy. Sorry. But me, I love all sorts of foods, all sorts of foods, all of it. Andy Anderson says he wants a Brazilian steakhouse, JR is with him. Absolutely. David says, I want a nice vanilla game with clean line play on both sides. Perhaps a vanilla wafer or a tall glass of water. Oh, David's a listener. David is 100% a listener, ladies and gentlemen. I almost, I'll love it with you guys. I was, I was inches away from saying tall glass of water as my last meal. But I decided to go with this. And I know this is going to be shocking. Perhaps for a lot of you, I want a really good cheeseburger. That's what I want. I want a really good cheeseburger. There is something nostalgic and comforting and filling and satisfying about a really good cheeseburger. And if you told me I get one meal for the rest of my life and I can guarantee it's going to be a really good cheeseburger, I'm probably in. Grant Turner asks, is it a smash burger? Yes. So I prefer smash burgers to pub burgers, mostly because I want the texture differential between the crust and the meat to be significant enough that I don't feel like I'm biting into a piece of meatloaf. 
I don't have a problem overall with pub burgers. I just, I don't have a problem with them. I just prefer smash burgers because texture differential is a really important thing to me when it comes to food. You will probably realize this as you get to hear more and more of my food opinions is that texture differential is just, it's just a big deal. I don't like homogenous textures. And so even things like meatloaf, I want a good crust on it and things like that. Things like steaks, I want a good crust on it. It's just texture differential is important. And thank you, Ryan and Andy both say, is this a diner cheeseburger? That's exactly what my wife said. That is exactly what my wife said when I told her. She goes, is it a diner cheeseburger? I said, it might be. If you follow me on Instagram, if you go to Instagram, Bruce Exclusive is the, the Instagram, there is a particular diner that is within relative driving distance for my wife and I. And it has a ridiculous pub burger where you can get just Texas toast and bacon and the whole thing. And it's absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Ryan Sullivan is in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Sullivan is a host of the 585 report on Buffalo Fanatics. He is fantastic. I have been on his show. And he says, Bruce, what's good is chili soup. No, chili's a stew. We've been talking about this. Uh, Ryan and I, uh, I'm going to block Ryan real fast because he said that. So, because he's he's a chili soup guy. Nate, real fast, is chili soup yes. or is chili stew? Uh, chili is stew. Thank right? you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. By the way, uh, hopefully I sound okay. I look okay. My you sound okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. The yeah, video I, is, a low, is a lower resolution and it's a little bit, it's showing off most you for your neck up. Like it's really high, you know, Good. but Good. you know, so it's not, not an overly flattering angle, you know, don't, don't stick your head back. You'll get a triple chin or something like that, but it's, it's, you know, overall it's not too bad. Yeah. So right before we went on, I, my power is browning out. Does that, is that something that it is like, it's not quite out, but all of my light have dimmed my internet is out so to in order for me to get on the show bruce what i did was i have a separate backup laptop that's always plugged in in case of emergency um and luckily i plugged my phone in which was at 11 to use as a you know personal wi-fi spot so literally everything that i needed all of my plan a's all went awry luckily i had plan c and uh, b and c ready to go for this show uh i would be very upset to miss luke uh in this in this interview tonight my power was was messing with me, but here we are. I, I'm I'm going to power through this, literally. Well, literally, we, we appreciate this. that powering through. It's it was built for specifically this. Someone, just so you know, on Twitter, asked me if Tom Brady cut your line. <laughs> That's very cut, possible. Cut power. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm a grown man. I'm now 30 years old. I just went downstairs in my creepy ass basement uh, to try to you know hit the um, the the breaker box and. I, I wish that you could have seen me run back up the stairs like a big sissy girl. I stubbed my toe twice running back upstairs because it's dark as hell down there normally. Now it's extra dark and there's no light in the hallways. I'm a baby. I don't care. I'm, I'm a big baby. I don't, I, you know, what I'm home alone too. Oh, oh, I, oh. I think we got the uh, power I saw, back. Too, I saw so that's not nice. Okay. So David wants our opinion on something. Bruce, controversial topic. Do you put mayo on your burger or not? Also yellow mustard. Okay. So first off, I am not a huge yellow mustard guy. I like lots of different types of mustard, um, honey mustard, a good Dijon, spicy Brown, just pure yellow mustard. Not a huge fan. Um, just overly vinegary for me. Um, 
When it comes to mayo, I'll do it just to give the burger a little bit, a little bit of lack of dryness on it. But if there is a another sauce or condiment I can use aside from mayonnaise, I would do it. I very, very, very rarely take ketchup on the burger. It's just, it's too much. It's too sweet. It's too overpowering. Um, I will take a nice light mayonnaise or aioli. I will totally do it, but it's, it's not, it's not my preference and yellow mustard again, not my preference. So Andy oh. Anderson says, if anyone cut his line, it would be Belichick. That's exactly right. It would be Belichick. That's true. But, but Brady also, he's a sketch ball himself. Um, I will say in terms of condiments, I am not a mayo guy. I don't know if you knew this about me. Because mayo reminds me a lot of like what this thing is. Ah, there you know? we go. We have, like, ladies and gentlemen, the eggnog. The famous eggnog is being shown by Nate Geary right now. And I'll level with you. I think at this point it's more gelatinous than it is liquid. Yeah, it's there's the, the liquid is here at the bottom. Uh this part separated. here. It is oh, it is fully separated. The top uh, has some bubbles. But it is full on solid up top. Yeah, it's almost like uh, eggnog jello. Ladies and gentlemen, you should know that Nate's girlfriend actually went into his room, was like, What was that? You need to throw that. He said, No. Nate defied the girlfriend to say, No, this is important. This is part of the show. The things he is willing to go through for you, his beloved listener. That's exactly I think, right. You sh- I, I think it should be really, really, I mean, you sh- you're really, you're a hero, Nate. You're a hero. I, mean, I didn't do, want do to I go, go that far. Listen, you said it. You said it, not me, pal. I just, I didn't want to be the one to say it. Okay. So we we're talking about last meals before you got on here. And I okay. said that my last meal is a really good cheeseburger. I said, you just okay. want a really good cheeseburger. Much like Tony Stark, when he got back from being, you know, uh, otherwise involved overseas and in an, a camp of some sort that he did not enjoy. When he got back to America, the first thing he wanted was a cheeseburger. Much like that, if you are removing all the other options from me, I want a really good cheeseburger. Nate, last meal, what's it going to be? Last meal. Well, first and foremost, today I was given – I'm back on a diet, by the way. So I'm back to eating uncool things. Actually, it's not true. My diet is pretty cool based on the things that I I actually enjoy in my diet. It's why it's it's easy to do and I can lose weight because I enjoy the things that I eat. But – if I was un, if I was not dieting, this first of all, it would start with a salted caramel covered banana bread as my beginner because that is what I had today. My girlfriend's friend Sarah, who lives down the street, she brought a piece over. Bruce, it was the most unbelievable thing. Imagine taking something as great as banana bread and and drizzling salted caramel on it, and then it almost became like a bread pudding. For oh. like a, it was solid, but it was wet with the with the liquid caramel, brother. I'm telling you that thing that thing elevated one of my favorite things ever. So last meal, I'm um, maybe probably two pieces of that, nice and thick cut, lots of salted caramel because I'm a dessert first kind of guy. I'm a freak. And then I think I would probably like to reverse sear a full filet mignon, something like you know big and meaty that you could cut into and have multiple like medallions um, and do, do the reverse here, medium rare with like maybe a Bernays sauce or some kind of egg yolk based uh, cream sauce that I think, you know, would, would really kind of go next level. And then easy, a four cheese risotto to go on the side with some thin cut, uh, you know, the, the, the thinner style asparagus, not the real big, thick, 
grill mm. asparagus, but the real thin ones because I think they cook a little quicker and they don't tend to be so damn hard in the middle towards the end. It's kind of all one great experience rather than the big ones where really just the head of the asparagus is a good experience and the rest is trash. Um, so for me, that's the meal. It's very specific and I'm sorry. No, I've thought of this a few times. I'm good with it. And quite frankly, I appreciate <laughs> I I appreciate you doing what you need to do. Okay. Yeah. Moving along because we're behind. If Bill's Atlanta was a food, I'm going to go first. I'm going to make sure. it fast. Bill's Atlanta was a food. It is my wife eating a Reese's my peanut wife. butter cup. And I will tell you why. So That's weird my thing. wife eats Reese's peanut butter cups in kind of an odd way. She eats a lot of things in an odd way, but the Reese's peanut butter cup, my wife eats the entirety of the chocolate around the exterior first. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then at the end, she's left with a ball of peanut butter. Yeah. And she pops the ball of peanut butter in her mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's the finish. And yeah. because of okay. that, the second half that's of weird. her experience is markedly better than the first half of her experience. Yeah. So that is Bill's Atlanta. The first what? half, you're like, okay. That's fine. I can see where we're going with this, but this second half had better be good. Otherwise, what's the point? And the second half was good. And it was the thing that we were all out to out to consume at the very beginning anyway. So for me, Bill's Atlanta is specifically the way my wife eats a Reese's peanut butter cup. First of all, you can't say my wife and not say it like that. That is a rule. I'm now that is a rule I'm now making for the podcast. Moving here from here on forward, I'll have it written down and sent to your to your accountant. And well, that's um, not fair because you don't have a wife, so you have to get married, and there's this to be equal. That's true. Uh, separate but equal. That's what. Okay. Um, so I will tell you that first of all, your wife is a damn genius. It's exactly how I eat my Reese's peanut butter cups. All the the hard chocolate around the outside. You're left with peanut butter, small layer of chocolate, small layer of chocolate. And it's the perfect balance of what you want from a Reese cup. You want more peanut butter than chocolate. That's why, by the way, the holiday themed ones, whether it's the Jack, um, uh, the, the pumpkin shaped one or the Christmas tree one or the rabbit shaped one. The reason those are better than the traditional, more peanut butter, a Reese peanut butter, whatever their, their concoction is to chocolate ratio that's why those ones are better and the specialty uh, seasonal ones are always better so she is doing exactly what reese's themselves has identified as a real core issue for themselves during the specialty time of year so she my friend is ahead of the curve uh while you continue to just drift in her wake well i mean i've pretty much been just riding her coattails <laughs> since we got married so this is not shocking no one is sure no one is surprised sure. by this okay so if bill's atlanta my was a food mate yeah. what is it so it's weird. I'm going to make this. I don't like the meal. Um, and it doesn't, me not liking it doesn't have anything to do with why I picked it though. But what I'll say is it's like a, it was like a Western, again, much like two halves. It's like a Western New York fish fry during Lent. And why that is, is you could go anywhere, you know, it's not about the place that you do it. And it's not about where the Bills would have played Atlanta. The Bills were going to beat Atlanta regardless. You could have put them in a neutral site field. You could have went in the uh, Georgia Dome. You could have had them there at Highmark Stadium. Wind, no rain, beautiful indoor conditions. Doesn't matter. The Bills were going to beat the Atlanta Falcons just like it is, is easy in Western New York to find a quality fish fry anywhere. It's like one of the easiest things you can do. Um, the second part of this is they won and you just kind of left and you're like, okay, yeah, they won. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. That fried haddock 
was exactly what I knew it was going to be, what it's always been for me. Um, it just was kind of par of the course for me, Bruce. Um, so that's it for me. I'm not, again, I'm actually not a fish fry guy at all. I do not like beer battered uh, and fried fish. And I know that's a Western New York staple. Um, I think it's just repulsive. I don't like tartar sauce as well because I'm not a mayo guy. So double whammo, don't like it. Makes sense completely. JR says the game was leftover Pudgy's pizza because it's better later. I don't know what Pudgy's pizza is. Nate, what's Pudgy's pizza? No idea. JR, you're going to have to help me with Pudgy's pizza. It's got to be something I don't know. David says, I feel like it's eating a bowl of cereal that gets soggy at the end of the half and it's destroyed, but then you go on a roll with homemade cinnamon buds to save your breakfast. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. All right, moving along. Nate, Jets schematically what are you looking for i'll start here is what i'm looking for against the jets the bills have never schemed for zach wilson before they know full well they know full well as pretty much anyone who has done even a small bit of looking into zach wilson will do is that he is one of the worst if not the worst quarterback under pressure and when blitzed in the entire nfl Now, coming out of BYU, we knew that was going to be the case early on for Zach Wilson because with the style of offense that he ran at BYU and the offensive line he had and the quality of opponents that they played, he was not under pressure very much at BYU. It just wasn't a staple of the Zach Wilson experience. And because of that, he's kind of had to learn to deal with it. I want to know if the Bills trust their front four to get there against (sighs) a New York Jets offensive line that is down to their third string left tackle. I want to see if the Bills are going to come out blitzing or if they're going to come out with the rushing their four and then if it doesn't get there, then they'll dial up blitz. I want to know how much the Bills trust their pass rush to get there early in the game. That is the number one thing I'm looking for is have the Bills just basically given up the idea that they're going to get consistent pressure with four at this point? Or are they always going to start no. off the game kind of feeling it out, and then we'll see how it goes? And if it doesn't get where we want it to go, then we'll start to crank up the heat when it comes to blitzing. I think it's the latter. And I think they're always going to go into a game looking to see what they have. Who's hot that day? Is it F.A. Obata early in the game? Does he get a couple of good pressures to start a game? How does Jerry Hughes look to start a game? So I think those... I think in this matchup, no Elijah Moore. That's huge for them, right? I mean, he's their best player offensively in terms of weapons. Michael Carter is going to be there. He's a nice guy to the backfield. He could play some um, – he, he can hurt you in the pass game as well. But, again, uh, that that's a running back coming out of the backfield. I like your matchups with the linebackers against these running backs. And, obviously, uh, in this – no Corey Davis. He's out for the season. And Braxton Berrios is going to be out. He just placed on IR yesterday. So, they're down quite a bit the wide receiver position. I don't think that the play in this game is to pressure with – by blitzing. I think it's getting after it with your front four, dropping back in zone, maybe giving Levi Wallace and uh, Dane Jackson an opportunity to play some man coverage this week to try to gain some confidence, work on their technique um, in a game where Keelan Cole and some of the other guys, uh, you know, the, the Denzel Mims of the world that you're going to be matched up against in this game. You like those matchups. If you're, if you're Leslie Frazier, if you're Sean McDermott and you want to give your guys some opportunities to play some things and get into some coverages that maybe they have not been able to run in real time, particularly Dane Jackson, who's, you know, on week five or six now of real game time experience. You can wash 
week one that he had to start against New England because we know they threw the ball three times. So give him an opportunity to play some man coverage, to get some bump and runs um, and get some, get some, you know, get some hands on receivers in that five yard bump window um, and, and, and see what you got there. So I, I think on top of that, I think you want to play a lot of soft coverage zone. You want Zach Wilson to try to fit it into the windows and he has yet to really show that he could do that on a consistent level in the NFL. So um, I don't think this is going to be an alter sexy type of game plan, Bruce. I, I think this is going to be about as vanilla as it gets. I expect Mitchell Trubisky to be playing by the second half. So whatever that means schematically for the first half for that to happen, that's what I think ultimately this team would like to. Sean McDermott would like to see, um, you know, Zach Moss, Mitch Trubisky, maybe Isaiah Hodgins is, is, is um, you know, going to be, uh, brought up in this game. You'll probably see some Boogie Basham in this game, some AJ Vanessa, some guys that have been some of their younger players that have either been on the practice squad and or on, um, you know, uh, it, well, in, in terms of guys like Boogie Basham, guys that have just been inactive. Uh, Matt Breed is another guy. Maybe you see him, maybe you see them try to get him the ball in week 18 as well, just to try to get him going a little bit. You do know that there's nothing you can do to get lobster, right? It doesn't matter if they do Matt Breida. You you still owe me lobster. So sorry so about that. So even playoffs? Even playoffs? Yeah. Play playoffs? 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 We're talking about playoffs? By the way, by the way, just a quick update. Uh, our guest for the evening, Luke Russert, uh, realized that uh, this is – you have to have Google Chrome. Uh, so he's in the process of downloading it. We'll have him in here in, in just a minute if he doesn't just pop up while I'm talking. So we'll yeah. we'll have him in just a few moments. So, a couple things. Number one, David says, uh, Bruce, what's the status on the elbow reveal? Yes, you missed it. It's on my Twitter. Go back and find it because I did it. I, I held up my end of the bargain. I gave you an actual picture. It was extremely close up of Incredibly my elbow. I will not up. tell you if it's left or right, but I gave you a specific picture of my elbow. Andy says, Bruce once had a podcast co-host who ran, ran Cleveland Bills Backersworth. He lives in Ohio, although so does, so does Greg Thompson. Though, it's entirely possible Bruce and Greg are the same person, he says. So, I will I will tell you this. <laughs> I have met I have met Mr. Thompson. We are not the same person. I can absolutely promise you they have. we actually have been seen in the same room at the same time. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our guest for the evening has decided that... Google Chrome is the, the, the way to do it. It's decided that, hey, this is what's going to happen. And I would like to bring in and welcome the former Emmy award-winning journalist and son of one of Buffalo's iconic sons, Tim Russert. He appeared on NBC Nightly News, Today, and MSNBC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. A big round of applause here for our guest, Luke Russert. Luke, how you doing, man? How you doing, fellas? How how goes it? Thank you for uh you guys had a power outage. I had some technical difficulties here. So yeah. uh we're we'll do it live, as they like to say. It's good live. TV, right. And we'll do it live. This is actually <laughs> off the iPhone right now. And my dog's very excited to be here too. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. You know, iPhones, right. Nate's got laptops, he's running to the basement to check to make sure his power wasn't cut by Bill Belichick. He had a backup and, laptop. I was absolutely. listening to that. I mean, that's yeah, that's back. I've actually got three right now, just in case, you know, uh, I want one's not, and by the way, none are classified. So if anybody wants to steal my laptops, you might, you, you'll, you'll get my, you'll get my template for the Buffalo Bills halftime show. But other than that, there's not a lot of valuable assets on there. By the way, I'm loving the quarters if you've got on there, Luke. Oh, thank mm, you very much. You know, after the holidays, uh, I wear black as it has a thinning effect. 
I learned that from a, <laughs> an interview that Phil Mickelson once gave. Everyone, the guy goes, Phil, why do you wear black on the golf course? He goes, because I'm really fat. So <laughs> after the holidays, after the eating, you know, it's a good look uh, to, to, wear the, to wear the black. Oh, look at that. I'm, I'm stealing stuff. All right. JR gave you a round of applause there in the, in the comment section there, Luke. Thank I you, sir. Okay, so real quick before we get into really important stuff, Luke, we talked about last meals. So I got to get yours first. Last meal, you got one shot. You got to have something that you're going to go into the afterlife with. Oh, man. What's it going to be? Um, this is, this is going to sound like I'm trying to play to the audience, but I, I would actually go for uh, 20 Wings Extra Crispy, to be honest with you, uh, from one of my favorite places here in D.C. called Wingo's that I like a lot. Uh, I'm not going to say where I get them in Buffalo because it'll get me in trouble. But that's exactly uh, right. Well, my man goes for DC. Twenty extra crispy uh, hot from Wingos. I'd do well with that. That's all I. You know, Luke, from being that your old man was from South Buffalo, I've got a couple of thoughts on where you might be choosing. But when was the last time that you would have been in Western New York? Uh, I was there a few. I was there right before COVID. I was there like 2019 was the last time I was there. So I usually do one home game a year in, in normal times. Uh, and I love right, going of back there. You know, my aunt still lives in Orchard Park. Um, I, whenever I go back, I go back South Buffalo, see the old Blackthorn Club. Yep. Uh, I don't think Daily, Daily's, Daily's Bar is still open. I think it's a new ownership. Uh, yes, Mr. it's a new ownership. Passed That's away. Right. Mr. Daly was like 200 years old. God rest his soul. Great guy. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I get back in there and, 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 you know, I, uh, we'll see how far this playoff run goes. Maybe get up there for, for a game. Oddly enough, I have a winning streak on going to games, uh, in Buffalo. I have a losing streak in terms of going to games on the road. Away games. So I got to, uh, if I go to one, I has to be in Buffalo. Yeah, and you know, keeping that in mind, it might be important that if they host another divisional round game, that we bring that good juju. Um, but what I was going to ask you in South Buffalo, I mean, I, I my family is rooted in South Buffalo. There's a literal Geary Street where most of my cousins still live. Uh, it is yeah, like so. You know, is kinda... that why you're the Notre Dame fan? Did you go there, or did you just get oh, the God. South Buffalo Notre Dame fan? So. But... Luke, this is going to blow your mind. I have a cousin who's two years older than me with the exact same name. He went to Lancaster High School, was an unbelievable athlete, was a diver at the University of Notre Dame, and was, uh, you know, it, so he's far more successful in the athletic realm. I played Division Three football. We we are not the same, uh, him and I. But, uh, no, he, he went to Notre Dame. I just grew up a Notre Dame fan, being most of my family's from South Buffalo. My grandfather was a big Notre Dame fan. So uh, that was just always my allegiance anyways. All right. Well, we'll give it to you. Close well, enough. the – Listen, the next time you come in, if you've never had 9-11 Tavern. I've had uh, the them. Owner, I've had them. They're very good. They're the very owner, good. God rest his soul, he passed away, I think, right before COVID or right during COVID. And his daughter has taken over and making those wings. But that guy, he put together one hell of a wing himself in South Buffalo. South Buffalo's got some seriously good options for folks that maybe, like, don't ever really travel south of the city, you know? Oh, Yeah. And the uh, and the the cultural center is a lot of fun too. They pour a good pint there as well. Well, and listen, next time you're in town, drive through Seneca. It looks completely different from the last time you've seen. It. I mean, it is, dude. Yeah. I, it looks beautiful. Blackthorn. Blackthorn has like an amphitheater in the backyard now. It's what? insane, man. Yes, and like yeah. brand new fencing, brand new everything. It's huge. They got a stage out back. Like it's insane, dude. The whole area. They redid the. Uh, the old Shays uh, mm -hmm. theater that's there. And they've got, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, 
it looks it looks unbelievable. So next time you're in, we'll uh, we'll make be. sure you, you head down. Bruce, what do you got? We, we could talk football. We could talk food all day. I, I guess I'll let you talk. Start start us off well, in the conversation about some football. Well, here. the first thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about what Luke's been up to because that's true. Uh, let's be honest, writing a book and traveling around the world is far more exciting than anything you and I have ever done in our yes. entire life. And that's what I want to start with. I want to start with this. First sure. off, my understanding, 67 countries, six continents. Is yeah. that right, Luke? Okay, yeah, so first off, I, I how far along are you? I not in Antarctica yet, but we're working on it. Goodness gracious. Okay, so first off, how far along are you? Are you done have you started? So I wrote you a draft, done? but I wrote this draft that was about 330,000 words, which is insanely long. Uh, <laughs> if you want to, the average book is about 85,000 words. The greatest book in terms of the amount of words per page that packed the biggest punch is The Great Gatsby, which was 49,000 words. Uh, so I have to come in at about 85,000. So that means cutting a lot. So the editing process is very hard because you kill your baby every single day. And yeah. thankfully, I have a good editor who I get along with very well. But he has to have a lot of those tough conversations, which is like, this just is not going to go in. There's no place for it. Uh, so come working from TV, where, and you guys know this from TV and radio, there's so many good things that end up on the cutting room floor. Mm. But the pacing is so quick of your day-to-day -day job, you don't think about it. It's just sort of, hey, that was great. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. Whatever. On to the next one. On to the next interview. Whatever. But in a book, when you actually spend all this time writing something and you lose an entire 12,000 word chapter, it stings and you kind of want to fight for it. And you kind of want, oh, well, maybe we can put it in somewhere else, et cetera. So it's been a very humbling experience writing. Um, my mom's a writer by trade. It, she's obviously uh, very good at it. And she's giving me some pointers along the way. But in terms of locking in and really having to uh, to to do a deep dive into your psyche and get those things out on the page especially for me kind of transcribing them from journals and making them make sense it's been uh it's been quite a journey it's a lot easier to bloviate on tv and radio i will tell you that i miss those days right about now hey this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. I, I, I can't. I'm trying to imagine. So I've had all these great ideas that I want to use for a podcast or a show or something like that. And they're sitting here in notes next to me. It's completely different than actually recording them and then never releasing them. Yeah. <laughs> and then no one ever gets to see it. No one ever gets to do it. So I I've got to ask. So you're doing this process. You're sitting down. You're editing. How is this so much different from a content creator's mental standpoint? Like you, you created this thing and it's your baby, right? You say, yeah, kill your baby every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but you were on television, right. And you know that there's content missing there. There's content missing here, but you said the pace is so much different, right? But is the investment different because of the time you spend in it? Does it feel different? Does, does your baby feel different than your baby felt when you were on television? Yeah, because it's such a slower process writing and you have so much more invested because when you're out there speaking on TV or you're doing a story, you obviously care, 
But like I said before, there's a lot of at-bats, right? It's it, I would say that TV and radio is kind of like a baseball season. Five at-bats mm. a game, 162 games a year, right? You don't have a lot of time to think about it. You make a mistake. You try to move on. You come back. Writing is like it's it's like playing four golf majors. I mean, that's what it sort of mm. it, it is. I mean, it's like there's a really intensive process where you have to think uh, over and over and over again. Is this sentence okay? Does this word make sense? And also, this thing is going to live in black and white forever. I mean, the goal is you want to get your book, you know, put, put in the Library of Congress so that if a nuclear, you know, Holocaust happens, someone can find it at some point, right? So you want to make sure that it's representative of what you're trying to say, but that it's also good. And then you also have a lot of folks, and this has been very humbling for me again, where from the professional writer's side, who really go in at you quite hard. They don't hold anything back, which is what you want uh, as a first time uh, uh, a writer for a book. And what I found so interesting about that is you have to be able to take that criticism, manifest it, and put it into the next draft in a way where it stings. It stings more than you would think because it's almost to some degree an assault on your intelligence. It's an assault on something that you spent a lot of time curating and also in my case, because so much of the book is deeply personal, it's uh, I, I would be lying if I didn't say there were a lot of times when my response is like, well, you don't know what it was like. Right? Yeah, you right. weren't there, yeah. uh, which then reminds me of one thing I always hate when athletes do that. Right. Which is, well, you can't run a 40 uh, in four seconds. So you're not allowed to ask me that question. And I've found myself going into that into that mode sometimes in the editing process. But then I snap out of it and realize it's all constructive and it's all good. So. It's certainly a different process from, uh, I think, social media and television and radio, which I worked in before. Uh, I miss radio a lot. I loved radio. It was great. Uh, because that stuff, you, you move on. You, 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 and there's just, you're kind of trying to, to just try to conquer the beast. Uh, when you're writing a book, the beast is really yourself and your own thoughts. And that can be something that is, is tough to wrestle with. Luke, um, well, first of all, my dad called me at around two o'clock today. He was like, make sure that you bring up that in Luke's dad's book, he mentions a gentleman that grew up down the street from him named Huck Geary, that was a baseball player uh, and apparently spent a couple of years in the major leagues, but was like a Western New York, South Buffalo, like sports legend. We don't know if he's related but there, there is mention of the of Aguirre in the Russert book in, in your dad's book that he wrote, and he called me today, and he if he would you know kill me if I didn't bring it up. So we're gonna do a little research on that, and do I'll some get back research. to you. He's the same guy, and yeah, then I think uh, you know the great baseball Hall of Famer Warren Spahn. His dad, I believe, lived um, near South Buffalo. In South Buffalo, yeah, 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 yeah. Pittsburgh Pirates, and yeah, I want to say like, listen, South Buffalo dating back. There was a lot of good athletes that came out of Western New York and South mm -hmm. Buffalo, but I mean, not quite as much anymore. But um, one of the things, too, that I mean, at least for for me and my dad, like you're a couple of years older than me, but we're pretty much same, you know, millennial here, millennium. And my dad and I grew up like I grew up around the Bills. I grew up in Hamburg, you know, like a stone's throw away from the stadium right off Southwestern. Like I can see the stadium on the water the football field. Yeah. Um, and like I just part of the bills that at least for me has always been really personal is the relationship with the team 
like my dad and mine relationship is like a conduit to the team. Right. And like there, whatever the ups and downs, like I was at the game when the bills were, all they needed was a win. This is 2004. All they needed was a win against, oh, against the Steelers against the third stringers, oh, yeah. Willie, Willie Parker. And like all this. Where and Coward I remember trying to do our coach a solid because he was an assistant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, I and that. I remember literally just bawling my eyes out and, oh, and my dad kind of saying like, you know, like I, I, I want to say that you and I probably had similar experiences growing up with the team because they were bad during the most parts of like our cognizant years. But like what, it, like now that you're an adult and you look back on that, is it still, does it feel that nostalgia that's still like, that's the connection that you still have with your dad? Cause I know like, you know, whenever my old man's, you know, long and gone, like uh, the things I'll remember is being at Bill's games with them and, and, and what football and that whole relationship meant for us was like aside to like actual parenthood like in that 60 minutes of football it was like a totally different experience than anything else that we had in our lives you know well it's bonding uh primarily and it's the time that you have with your dad right because that 60 yeah. minute game time really translates into four hours start to finish mm -hmm. right and and it's something you do together you know i have uh some of my earliest memories are the Bills uh, moments I have with my dad. We actually went back to Buffalo City Hall, and I remember this as a little kid when Norwood was welcome back, chanting, we want Scott, oh. uh, which was surreal. Uh, I was at the last two Super Bowls, the one at the Rose Bowl and the one in Atlanta. The one at the Rose Bowl didn't hurt so bad because we knew it was over pretty early on. Uh, I remember the Don Beebe play. I remember him running there uh, and, and – and getting causing that fumble, which is just tremendous. Atlanta being up 13 9 at halftime, really thought we had it. You know, that was the one that I think I st stung the most for me as a kid. Um, and then obviously the the forward lateral in Tennessee. Uh, that was yeah. the, one of the few times I ever really heard my father drop expletives. Just oh, yeah. So that was that, that wasn't the first time I heard my dad say the F word, but it was it was, it was, it was the probably first time I had single ever digits heard repeated. Yes. For at least like 20 minutes nonstop. Oh, yeah. 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 So that was pretty wild. But I think what you are tapping into is something that is extraordinarily important, not only just for Buffalo, but all for Western New York. And, and it ties back to the roots that the team has, not only in the community, but amongst, uh, but amongst families too. And when there is a real threat of the Bills moving, I think what saddened me the most was how those bonds would be destroyed that fathers and sons couldn't have those Sunday afternoons together surround, uh, around the Bills with, you know, the bat blue and, and wings and the Bills and talking and, and, and whatnot. And that's why I think this, just having the team stay was so very important because that is so much of the culture of the city and the region. And to this day, you know, whenever I travel, I always wear Bills gear. And people will say, go Bills, go Bills, you know, where you're from, blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, it's that connective tissue. And it's certainly the connective tissue that I have with my dad. I mean, I get very emotional when I see old videos of him talking about the Bills. I was fortunate enough to work on that documentary, The Four Falls of Buffalo. And, you know, they pulled a lot of this film. He did some interviews with NFL Films and the late, great Steve Sable about the mm -hmm. Bills and those Super Bowl teams. Even going back to the AFL teams that won those two titles, you know, back in the Jack Kemp days and Cookie Gilchrist, et cetera. Uh, and just to sort of see my father usually on camera, this sort of tough, no-nonsense guy 
interviewing popes and presidents and prime ministers right. and you know, cracking skulls, if you will, just sort of get teary-eyed and talk about his dad, my grandfather, and talk about what it meant to see the success of the team and how uh, there really is no other sports franchise in the United States that embodies the spirit of a city more than the Bills. And, you know, that, that's what makes you cry because you see it in your dad's face. You see it in your grandpa's face. You see it in, in, in your friend's faces next to you. And, uh, you know, I was at the Tampa game a few weeks ago uh, mm-hmm. with one of my, a, a good friend of mine who he was from Buffalo. He went to St. Joe's and you know, I ended up meeting at Boston College. And the first half was awful. And we said, you know, we're, we're kind of like, uh, well, if it's like this come the th- fourth quarter, let's just beat the traffic and we'll go back to Ybor City and drown our sours, et cetera. <laughs> and then they start putting it together. And, you know, it's to the end. We can't handle this. And we're getting, you know, weirdly emotional for two dudes in a football game. <laughs> and the reason is, is because it's just your dad comes through. And he's like, my dad's texting me right now. My uncles are texting me right now. They can't believe it. You know, blah, blah, blah. And that's what just sticks. And it's it's a uniquely Buffalo thing. I mean, I know you'll you'll hear from Packers fans and Steelers fans, but they've sure. won. They've won. Yep. You've been there. And I, the only thing that maybe is comparable is 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 the Vikings. But you know what? They won the World Series. Yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's like not- Red Sox, Red Sox and, and Cubs fans, they felt it, but now they've gotten to the place that I think all Bills fans But, that, but, but, to, but here's know. the thing. Everyone who was a Cubs fan was a Bulls fan. Everyone yeah, who was a Red a Sox point. fan was a Celtics fan, was a yeah, Patriots right. fan. You know, it's like, it's not, yeah. it, it, the people from Detroit did the same thing. Oh, the Lions. The Red Wings won 20 Stanley Cups, man. Yeah. Like this, no, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Now, to be fair, I'm not a Sabres fan. So the Sabres winning the Stanley, they call it Stanley Cup in, the, in hockey, right? That's what they call it? Yeah. That's, that's what the they call it, Bruce, yeah. Okay, cool. So the Sabres winning the Stanley Cup really does nothing for me to quench any of my thirst. In fact, I have the word Sabres and all of Sabres-related Twitter muted so I don't have to see it because I don't want the overlap because I don't want to deal with it. It's just, it's well, I, it's I don't want to deal with the overlap. It's too much. I, I, I tried to watch a hockey game like a couple of years ago and I'm like, I don't understand what anything means. So I'm just, there's blue lines and there's red lines and I can't keep track of the camera. And I don't know who has the buck and I don't know that somebody scores until the little siren goes off and everyone raises their hands. I'm like, okay, does someone score? Cool. That was anticlimactic. It's great. Hey, hey, hockey, yeah. if you're not a big fan, it is one, I will say in terms of if, to take people who are just casual sports fans, that's the, that is the live sporting event. They like the most mainly because of just how fast paced it is and how physical it is. I don't like the time in between periods, though. I just it, that's yeah. gets me live there. Hockey is for like you know the rampant ADHD that's going through our generation, and it, it it really you know gives them the 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 connection they need. But man, that period, but to that ten minute period buffer, oh man, the inactivity. You could you could drink a couple of beers in that time. Uh, yeah. So that's that's also uh, I guess a good thing. <laughs> So what I want to ask you about, Luke, is the connective tissue you talked about. And specifically, I want to ask you not about connective tissue between the team and the city. I want to ask you about the connective tissue between this regime and the last time the Bills were good, which, quite frankly, the last time the Bills were consistently good before now was the Super Bowl years. That's it. Like there, there was no three playoffs in four years. There was no four and five years. There was no AFC championships. The last time the Bills were consistently good was the Super Bowl years. It was the 90s. It was this team is a good team. It was Doug Flutie. It was the it was that entire decade. 
And so I want to ask you, as someone who was so incredibly plugged in at that time, if you see connections, I want to ask you if you see similarities between this team. I want to ask you if you see differences between this team, because a lot of the things of the way we remember those teams are very different because of the aspect of social media. Social media is now a thing. It was not a thing before. The bickering bills would have been a lot different if Twitter was a thing. (laughs) I think we can all agree on that. But knowing that there is such this mythological discussion around the 1990s bills, that decade of bills football, are, are we at the spot now where we can just not really ever compare anything to that ever? Because I know we really shouldn't compare statistics because different eras of football. But as far as the way you feel, as far as the way the fan base feels, as far as the way you look at it as an observer, what are the connected tissues between those two things? Well, let's say something right off the bat. This team right now is way better behaved than that those teams were. <laughs> I don't think social media is- would have allowed for the uh, the Bills of the 90s to, uh, to survive. So <laughs> that's a substantial yeah. difference. In terms of similarity, though, I think you have a well-established coach and and McDermott and Marv are what? They're both playoffs for the first five seasons. So there's a similarity there. You have Kelly and and Allen in the sense that you have a dependable, tough quarterback that the city is rallying behind. To me, maybe make a Diggs and Andre comparison, but there's no one on the defense like Bruce Smith. Uh, And and there's nobody on the offense like Thurman Thomas. Uh, there's no Steve Tasker. Uh, there's no Cornelius Bennett in my mind. I think that, that that team had a little bit more edge to it. I think this team is much more of a sort of all-in together, uh, a friendlier bunch, if you will. They, they, they seem it's high character, nicer guys. I think the difference, though, is that those older Bills teams, you got a sense a lot of the times they were going out on the field, uh, they were going out to kill people. And they were going to run up the, you know, the K gun with, with insane offense. Uh, and that defense was really hard nose. I mean, we always talk about uh, that blowout AFC uh, title game against the Raiders. But remember one against the Broncos, I think it was like 10-3 or something that the Bills won where they were the underdogs in to get to the Super Bowl. Like those teams were very good defensively and good grinded out. So I think you have similarity in coaching and in the quarterback. Obviously, similarity in how the the community is rallying around them, without doubt. Uh, but I think that this mm-hmm. team is is different in just how it's built. It's more um, high character role playing guys that don't make much of themselves out in terms of uh, ego. Um, I think you know you have Trey White is probably famous on the defensive side, uh, a hide employer a little bit. But for the most part, these are, to be cliche, lunch pail, blue collar guys. I mean, with this defense, I believe, will be one of the first ones that does not have a Pro Bowler on it that's ranked number one. I read that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that, that's different. That's different. And I, I just, you know, as a kid, and I, I go back and I think about those teams, like Daryl Talley was a bad man. Okay. Yes, Daryl Talley mm-hmm. was coming for you. We don't have a Daryl Talley on our defense right now. That's not to say our defense isn't great. I love our defense. I think our defense plays together. They play their assignments well. I wish they would be more physical sometimes. I wish they would have a little bit more of that mm-hmm. edge when they get pushed around. But they've been playing, yeah, I think, in the new NFL. They're quite good. I mean, they're certainly built to compete against these teams like Kansas City that are running all over the place and whatnot. But it's not the same punch you in the mouth. That's okay because the game is not 
that anymore either. I mean, if you if that defense from the 90s came out there, now there'd be, what, 40 targeting penalties? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, every other hit would be a targeting penalty. Yeah, yeah. Well, Luke, uh, I want to be uh, cautious of your time here. Uh, first of all, thank you so much, man, for joining us. I, this was kind of a long time coming. I, I really am glad we had a chance to get you on. So give us a little sneak peek. When uh, when do you imagine uh, the, the, that your book hits the shelves here? Is it going to be sometime this year? And, no, uh, it's how, coming how out in the uh, spring it? of 23. It's due this year. Okay. And then what I've learned through this process is that book marketing is a whole other animal of and of itself. You got you to gotta get out to the trade, the book shows. You have to get yeah. it on uh, the Amazons. But I'll be coming to Buffalo. Don't worry. Maybe I can sell it outside the books, the Bill's gifts, uh, gift store someday. But yeah, that'd be we'll a move. That'd be a I'll move. certainly be there w without doubt. How are Maybe you guys like a Bills game day? Well, I mean, it's the Jets. It's week 18. I, I said this before you came on. I imagine we see Mitch Trubisky at least almost this entire second I, half. You know what? Here's This is all I will say. The one thing that freaks me out about this team is they seem to play up or down the other team's level of competition. They gave the Bucks a scare last week. Yeah, And, and the I, thing with the Jets, they beat. Tennessee, right? They gave yep. the Bengals a game. They gave the Bucks a game. Uh, Salah is a good defensive coordinator. I've watched a bunch of his games when he was out there with the Niners. Uh, this Wilson kid has something to prove. Yeah, we should win. This should be easy. It should not be close because we are much, much more talented. But this is their Super Bowl, to be cliche. Yeah. I mean, if they were to beat the Bills in the last week to prevent them from getting the AFC East title, that is something they would build on next season oh, yeah. and go crazy with. So I just don't don't sleep on them. Don't sleep on them. I, I hope it's an easy one. I hope we can get put it away by the third quarter. But just it, the last week kind of freaked me out. And and good on uh, Dabble for just giving Josh the ball and letting him, and letting him run, run it and get in the end zone. Because we were getting too cute there for a few of these uh, for a few of these games. Just 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 win, baby. Just win. <laughs> just win, and uh, you know I imagine that regardless of the weather or or what have you, that kind of comes across this team. Uh, they're they're going to live and die by the quarterback. And you know, and, and I said this earlier today on Twitter to somebody that I was kind of talking about. You know, well, the Bills rely on their quarterback too much, and and I would tell you every team with an elite quarterback relies on their quarterback too much, and teams that don't rely on their quarterback too much don't have an elite quarterback. So it, it is, it, it's, it's a feast or famine league and you, you live and die by your quarterback. And, and the bills are just another example of that. You know, Nick, can I ask you a quick question? Shoot. Did you make a, a passing reference at some Tom Brady HGH allegations possibly on Twitter one time? Were you hinting at that? I, I yes yeah I mean I I, I have hinted this is why it. I like you Nate because you're willing to say out publicly what everybody else is thinking there my and my boss uh, doesn't I, like for the same reason you like it, Buffalo way. sports fan conspiracy theorist I have absolutely no proof I am speaking just off the top of my head do not sue me right but Antonio Brown and this in this flame up he had with Brady's guru right. Yep. And the Alex fact Guerrero. that Brady's playing up to his 50, I, it, 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 I like where your head's at there. I like where your where head's there at there. Smoke, where there is smoke, there is smoke, there's a always a flame, odd. my friend. It's a little mm -hmm. odd because Too many coincidences. Right, maybe the guy is genetically gifted, but Manning, Roethlisberger, Breeze, they all got to that point where... And they hit a down. wall. They so, hit a wall. Yeah, because, listen, I got my dream is to be able to discredit every single yes. Super Bowl. 
Yes. So between cheating and the possibility that we don't know, this is not alleged yet. It's not alleged. Right. It's not thought yet. about. Thought about. But if you had confirmed cheating, which we have in Spygate and Deflategate, and then we also have pos PEDs, I think we can nullify all of them. First, we can we can pretend two decades never happened, and I would be no, fan, I would know. be happy with they that. Know. I would be happy. And if freaking yeah. Kyle Shanahan and Pete Carroll knew what they were doing, none of that would have happened. None of this would have mattered. No, he's so. he's probably not still playing if he loses those Super Bowls. No, come on, no, it'd be gone. Seriously. Kyle had, Kyle Shanahan specific. It really irks me because my boy Matt Ryan from BC is a buddy of mine. He deserves a Super Bowl ring. And Kyle Shanahan did the same damn thing against the Chiefs with with Jimmy G. I just did yep. did crazy stuff. Anywho, thanks <laughs> Listen, for having we, me on. We could literally we we could have our own podcast, Luke. So right. We appreciate you coming on, boss. Uh, go it. Bills. More importantly, next time you're uh, you're you're back in the seven one six, we'll make I sure will, we uh, we, we get you, you up. up well, some, you go to the nine eleven time. I go to the Black Storm. Go to Dailies. We'll do we'll do it all. Do the tour. Absolutely, my Take friend. We appreciate you. Bye-bye. Happy New Year to you, my friend. You too. Luke Russert there on the Genesee Brewing Company guest hotline. And, um, man, that was a very cool episode, Bruce, I've got to say. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I kind of felt like a third wheel there at the end. I was like, listen, do you guys just want me to hop You're off and you guys can just have your own <laughs> podcast? Because I'll do it. I'll just I'll go ahead and hop off and it can be food out out with yeah. Luke Russert and Nate Geary. I don't I'm not jealous. I would never be jealous. Why would I be jealous? No. You know, you know what? You know, it's just payback because I haven't brought this up yet because you were oh, of course, not available. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate has now lost two in a row to me. He lost the lobster bet. And then he lost the fantasy football championship this past week. And his cat cannot believe it. His cat is literally sitting there going, Just I mean, Nate, Nate, is my owner a loser? Is that what it is? Is my owner no, a loser? That, no, come on. That would never no. be. No. It was, but you know what? No, it was, it, it was, it was a wonderful time. It was a wonderful thing. Nate is engaged and ready to take his team to the next level. I think he's on the hunt for a quarterback and a running back this offseason. And he's going to, he's going to make it happen. It's going to be, it's going to be a thing. So um, while we are waiting to wrap up here, to what? we are going to, to go, what, Bruce? What, well, we're, we're <laughs> going to wrap up eventually, but we, we want to make sure we get to comments, questions. If you have questions True. for us now, go ahead and drop them. Super chats get priority in the YouTube section. And I do want to bring up Andy's question. Who would be the first 1990s Buffalo Bill to be ejected in 2022. RJ says, Daryl Talley, I am inclined to agree. I think there's a very reasonable chance. You ready for this one? Steve Tasker. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I've got to tell you something. So, Steve, when I go, when I'm at the in the broadcast booth for the games, which uh, Monday, I'll be uh, I'll be getting my booster shot on Monday, and I will be uh, live uh, pregame at halftime um, from the stadium and the wild card round. So I'm very excited about that being at my first ever uh, Buffalo Bills playoff game. Be very excited about that. Um, Steve usually sits next to me uh, during this, and uh, I've known. Not not as a, an adult. Uh, I played youth football against his son, Luke, um, dating back to a long time ago. Um, you know, I'm 30 years old. So how 20 years ago, right? Uh, 20 and 15 years ago, I played his son a lot. And uh, he played for East Aurora. I played for Carnegie Scranton here in Western New York. And, uh, you know, I became friends with Luke and 
Uh, we were up against each other up until we were in high school. And then he went to St. Francis and now it's frontier. Um, Steve is a different, and, and he was behind the bike last year. He was the team's color guy when Eric, you know, couldn't do it because of COVID restrictions and he was working with the ACC network. And Steve is one of the most animated people that I have ever seen in my entire life, Bruce, uh, at, at these games. Like I'm, you know, into it, but I'm trying to recognize I'm next to the owner's booth. I'm media. I can't come off, you know, like I'm not in the press box where there is no clapping. There's no standing. There's no emotion whatsoever. That's right below the MNT bank sign up in the, you know, or maybe that's the other side. I don't know, but this is the broadcast right where Murph is, where everybody is. So it's not like that. You know, you do get some cheering. We're next to the owner's box. We've got the, the national broadcast to the left of us, but watching him, during a Bills game is like appointment television. So if you're ever, you know, in a good position to peep over, maybe you're over in the, the heated seats, just look down during the game and 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 watch Steve. That's that's really all I can say. But he is he is one of the greatest dudes that I've ever met, Steve Tasker. Uh it's a damn shame that uh that he is is gonna be a job tier of of at least the traditional era of Hall of Fame. Hopefully. Um, you know, he can kind of come back uh, in the next couple of years when uh, when he becomes a legacy candidate and uh, and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, I, for, for me, Steve Tasker really might be the guy, um, but Kelso might be the guy. Oh, Kelso, that's a good one. Kelso was the hammer from the safety position, like the hammer. Like he is he is probably the first guy getting ejected would be my guess. Is Mark that's Kelso. a really, really, really good point. Thank you. Really good point. Okay, RJ says, is it just me or does Josh play poorly against bad pass defenses and plays well against good pass defenses? Atlanta, Jacksonville, and 80 were all awful pasties with poor DB play, and Josh looked awful. Okay, so I so, have a theory. Go ahead, Nate. And I was thinking about this by myself. I was driving in my car. You know, sometimes you just you have random thoughts in your head, and this just popped up in my head, thinking about this exactly. First of all, weather had a, a big, I think, to do to play in that Atlanta game. But Jacksonville and Indy, Indy a little bit of weather, but still, red-eye digress. Josh tends to play hero ball when he gets down, and that can either go uh, uh, for him or against him. But I think this is a game plan thing, Bruce. When you go into a matchup knowing that the other defense can't do something, that's the thing you're going to try to exploit. But sometimes defenses just sometimes in the NFL, these guys get paid. We know that they get paid too on the other side of the ball. Some days you just you you game plan for a weakness that that week they figure out. And it's very possible that you didn't really come up with a plan B, Bruce, because plan A, you sort of just took for granted it was gonna work because it's Jacksonville. Uh, because it's Indianapolis and you believe if you stop the run and you can get ahead, you can get Carson Wentz to beat you. You don't think he can do that. Or, you know, the New England game. So I, I I guess for me, what this comes down to is I think sometimes the Bills get into this one-track mind offensively, thinking, I think it happened in the Steelers game, and I think it happened in the Jaguars game, which was, we believe we can run four and five wide sets against you, Pittsburgh, and try to stop us. TJ Watt, who? He did nothing against us last year in our matchup in 2020. What's any different this year? We have the same matchup. Darrell Williams took care of business in 2020. Eh, he'll take care of business in 2021 against the uh, you know defensive player of the year. Not, not worried. We'll run four and five wide, and we don't need a plan B because we know they can't stop us. And I think that mindset got him in trouble against Pittsburgh, and it certainly got them in trouble against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think that's my theory behind this, which is, 
they sort of not necessarily underestimate a team, but they put together a game plan specific. And when it doesn't work, they're like, why would we veer away from what we know is supposed to work? This is a terrible pass defense. We've got to stick with it, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. All of a sudden it's the fourth quarter and you're down by a touchdown and it's fourth and 11 and you stuck with it too long. Do you know what I mean, Bruce? So I, that has been my sort of running theory here. Sure. I get it completely. I completely understand it. Um, it also tracks with the idea that the Buffalo Bills have really significant amounts of victories by double digits over yep. the last two years. Every and single one of their wins this if, year is by double digits. If they come out and they have a game plan and they execute, they stomp you. And so this idea that they have so much faith in their game plans is not exactly poorly founded because those game plans have led to yeah, lots and lots of double-digit victories. So right. David says, Bruce, do you think we intentionally do not sack quarterbacks? We only want pressure and containment. If so, do you agree with it? When do we flip the switch and go for sacks? No. I don't think we're intentionally not trying to sack a quarterback. I think the uh, qualitatively, the method by which we would like to obtain pressure is by not giving up overly significant gaps, which is the reason why you end up with these long-armed, heavy-handed edge defenders, very similar to the way that you had them in Carolina. I do not think that there's a an opportunity for significant dynamism and speed rush off the edge. It's just not historically the way that they go it. They also prefer to get it straight up the middle because the shortest distance between any two points is a straight line, which is the reason why you invest a you know a, a draft pick and a player like Ed Oliver. So I don't think they're intentionally trying to get pressure and not get sacks. I think they'd always prefer to get sacks, but they recognize that if they generate defense, generate pressure from the defensive line they're still going to end up with a negative play more often than not, even if it's not a sack. So we are going to move along. We are a little bit behind. Thanks a lot, Brownout and Tom yeah. Brady. But we are going to ask about winners, winners and, and losers because we got to finish off <laughs> with winners and losers. Now, Nate, you want to start with winners? You want to start with losers? Let's start with losers. Oh, oh you have something, don't you? Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. I wore this for a reason. Do you, do you see the color? I do see the color. Yeah. What's that color remind you of? Well, the resolution is not great. It looks like it's like an orange of Syracuse yeah. color. So uh, who in the NFL has got this same sort of uh, the Browns. vibe to it? That's right. The Browns. Because not only is Baker Mayfield a big loser, not as just Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry. I, I, I will stop short of calling... Uh, Cleveland Browns fans losers because I very much like Cleveland Brown fans. I like the Cleveland Browns. The whole organization's a big loser this year. Um, the injury sucks. The injuries suck for Baker because if you were to told me in the beginning of this season in a year to really judge your quarterback, Bruce, what's the one thing you don't want to happen? An injury that could stop you from fully evaluating. vetting and evaluating mm -hmm. the quarterback. And that's exactly what happened. And now there's rumor that he's going to ask for a trade this offseason. I think that's probably the right move for him. Um, I think it's probably the right move for the franchise. It's a tough situation. And I, listen, I think it, there's a lot of opportunities for Baker to go elsewhere and be in a better situation. I think a scheme fit from the start, this Stefanski system from a schematic and from a, a, what they're asking the quarterback to do is not a fit for Baker Mayfield. He is not an under center, five and seven step drop and throw the ball inside the hash marks to tight ends. That's not Baker Mayfield's game. Um, so where he goes, I don't know. But what I'll say, Bruce, is that organization's a big, giant loser because there may not be a more disappointing team in the last decade 
I kid you not, the last decade with higher preseason, not only aspirations, but expectations for them to, to, to lay the egg they did this year as just super disappointing because talk about a window. The, the, you would, I think a lot of people viewed Josh Allen and the Bills situation in 2021 as what actually happened in Cleveland in 2021, that there was this regression and Josh Allen got paid, but he didn't really deserve it. And that didn't happen with Baker, but don't do what the Bills did with Josh Allen. Cause that's like, that's a really tough situation that's playing out. It could set their franchise back a very long time, but here's what I'll, here's the last thing. And I'm going to end this loser on a prediction, Bruce. Kirk Cousins will be the very first free agent signing of the league year, and he will be a Cleveland Brown on March 3rd or whatever day it is at now, midnight. Kirk Cousins is under contract for 2022 for Minnesota. So they're going to cut him. He will, he's not going to be around next year. Now, this is really, really important. So I'm going to I'm going to stall for a second because I thought the same thing. And then I went ahead and looked up Kirk Cousins' contract. And I went ahead and looked it up, and I was like, because well, I was talking to a friend who's a Browns fan, and in 2022, if you decided that you wanted to cut him, so yep. a pre a pre 60 a pre June 1st cut, mm-hmm. 45 million dollars in dead cap, yep, zero dollars in cap savings. If you trade him, you get 10 million in dead cap and 35 million in savings. I think he's going to get traded. Mm. That's fair. Regardless, first day of the league year, whether he gets cut and then signed and or traded, that makes the perfect sense to me. I think Minnesota is going to be rebuilding. I think Mike Zimmer's gone. I think the whole nine. and They're, they're an older friend. By the way, Jeremy White has been saying this for a few weeks on pregame. Luke Russert just said it a little while ago. This team doesn't have a Bruce Smith. No, they don't. I see this Bills team needing a Stephon Diggs-like trade for the defense at the edge position. And what better place than Daniil Hunter in Minnesota? Yeah, if they're gonna if they're gonna tear down, and he do. he has expressed wanting to leave. I think by the time the acquiring team is actually gonna get probably a good deal um, for his level of play if he can be healthy. Um, but man, that that has been something that's been on my mind. That what is the Stephon Diggs trade for the defense, or what's another Stephon Diggs for the Bills trade? Because I think that they're going to need that this offseason. That's just something to throw in your ear. Uh, but let's let's finish up these winners and losers, Bruce. Okay, so Jr. comes in with the super chat. First off, Jr., thank you for being a part. Thanks, of Jr. This. Appreciate you, buddy. We, we we love Jr. He's a super fan of the show. He says, "Loser, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady." So I'm going to piggyback off of Jr. That's fair. My loser is Antonio Brown, fair. who has p- perpetually been a loser, obviously for many times. If this show was in existence for three or four years, my guess is that. Antonio Brown would have ended up being a loser for many opportunities. There is no outcome for what happened to Antonio Brown that ends positively for him. Mm-hmm. That is, that's not a thing. There is no potential outcome. If I was Dr. Strange, I have sat there. I have held the time stone in my hand and I have seen all of the future possibilities of the way that this can play out and how many of them, Does it benefit Antonio Brown? Not even one. Not even the one opportunity that the Avengers had to beat Thanos. That doesn't even apply to Antonio Brown. Out of all of the 14,805 or whatever the number was that Dr. Strange sees as far as outcomes, of all of them, 
zero of them end well for Antonio Brown. There was no scenario where he was going to win. There's no scenario where he's going to win a grievance against the Buccaneers, get his money. He yeah, didn't get what he wanted, right. and he lost his marbles. And now there is, there's no way he's going to fall up again. He had an opportunity to rebuild his career with, yeah. with Tom Brady. So falling up is not an option. So he got all the bag from, at the time, Oakland Raiders. And he successfully got out of that contract and ended up with a lesser deal with the New England Patriots. Well, then the sexual assault allegations come out and he got a lesser opportunity and he finally got a chance to rebuild with the most successful quarterback in NFL history. And he botched that one too. So Antonio Brown, I have not had the opportunity to say this about you thus far. You are the biggest loser. Goodbye. Not in a good way. You're not the biggest loser like you've lost the most weight either. At least I don't think so. I don't, I, think I don't so know what his diet plan is like. Me either. But he's the biggest loser this week. Biggest winner in the NFL. Nate, what you got? It's got to be Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Um, I mean, what a tremendous pick in the face of what many folks were, I think, really criticizing the Bengals for taking Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. Um, and that has turned out to be, I think, Listen, Penny Sewell is going to end up being a great tackle in the league. I think, you know, Detroit ended up getting a great player for the future. It is very clear. The the, the stable of weapons that they have they have created in Cincinnati with the quarterback, that is um that's a that is a legitimate playoff and Super Bowl threat. The AFC at the top, you know, Lamar, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, like it's going to be fun. And, and, you know, it's too bad because Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, if it was those two or another guy, like it was Big Ben, um, Big Ben, Peyton, and, you know, uh, Brady for a long time, if there was only three, those guys I think would win a lot of Super Bowls. I think because of guys like Herbert, because of guys like Jackson and um, and Burrow, there's a good chance really good quarterbacks are only going to win one or two Super Bowls in the AFC. So, um, yeah, I think the biggest winner's got to be the Bengals, Joe Burrow, and uh, and what that team in, in Cincinnati's doing. They're 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 a real threat this year. I'm going to go with Rashad Penny, not just because oh, he helped me win, off. not frig just because off, he helped me Bruce. win. Now. Rashad Penny has always been talented. Now he shouldn't have been a first round pick because you shouldn't take running backs in the first round, but. Rashad Penny has always been talented. That was never a question for him. But in a moment where he had an opportunity, they declined his fifth-year option, Rashad Penny is going to be a free agent this offseason. And if ever there was a time, if ever there was a moment for Rashad Penny to show up for himself and his future career and his earnings in the NFL moving forward, it was now. Rashad Penny, somebody's going to give him money this offseason. I don't think it'll be the Seahawks, but somebody is going to give him money because they have Chris Carson, who's on a two-year deal. So they have him coming back next year, and he'll be the, he he took Rashad Penny's spot multiple times already. So that's that's their guy if if he's there. But if Rashad Penny doesn't go off in the last four weeks, if he doesn't have that happen, he's a street free agent that signs for the veteran minimum and gets cut in training yep. camp. Now. He signs a two-year, $12 million contract for somebody to come in and be a completely reasonable bridge running back. In fact, I have a feeling there may be a team who might be interested in him that we are talking about right now. I would not be shocked at all 
if Rashad Penny ended up getting two years, eight million, two years, 10 million, two years, 12 million from, you know, if you're looking for a, a, a running back who's still young, right, has very little mileage on the tires and has always been yep. an incredibly dynamic athlete who runs downhill, mind you. This is a guy who averages between six and eight yards a carry between the tackles. Yeah. He averaged after contact seven yards per attempt, one yard per attempt, six yards per attempt, five yards per attempt after contact That's the wild. last four games. This is a guy who averages after contact 4.18 yards per attempt this year. That's absurd. Mm -hmm. So... My man made himself some money. He's he definitely a winner. That's a good money. one, Bruce. Biggest winner, Rashad Penny. He made himself. He went from no one's going to care about me to someone's going to think there's something there and going to give me money. And that, yep. I, what is what, is there a bigger definition? It's the definition of, of a yeah. It's the definition say, it's of a winner. Yeah. So Rashad Penny, hat off to you, my friend. I am thrilled for you. you. You stuck around. It was really hard to consistently get banged up. You see it with Harrison Phillips. How happy are we for Harrison Phillips? That he's Incredibly. starting to break out now after all the injuries he had. That's the way the Seahawks fans and everybody else feels about Rashad Penny. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being a part of this show this evening. I know we had some technical difficulties at the very beginning, but I thought Luke was fantastic. Oh, Nate, was don't great. even, don't even. Nate is pantomizing, pantomizing the idea that he might put that eggnog up to his lips and would immediately die. I'd have to get in my car. By the time I got there, you'd be dead, Nate. That's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be yeah. long dead, right? Mm -hmm. You'd be aspirating all over the place. It's just an absolute nightmare. But <laughs> that's not the kind of food we serve here at food for thought we feed the food delicious we serve delicious food here at food for thought and ladies and gentlemen we hope you had a good time we hope you were well served and we hope you didn't leave hungry Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. 
This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.